the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Talents and gifts and the difference. That's today on Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Natural talents and spiritual gifts. Now, there are differences here, and we'll be looking at those differences over the course of our next two programs. Hi there. Welcome to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, who returns us today to our series on the Holy Spirit. We're focusing our time as we begin here in the parable of the talents found in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 24. Spiritual versus natural gifts. What are the difference and why do we need to know the difference? Well, we'll answer that for you next. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman now with today's broadcast. One of the things that I, I, I learned in my own personal life is that part of what he does is he helps us to maximize our potential. He helps us to maximize our potential by utilizing, by helping us to utilize our natural and our spiritual gifts for his glory. Whether you and I realize it or not, we have stuff in us that God wants to unlock. He wants to bring to the forefront. Some stuff we know about, but we just neglect. Some things that we we know about, but we abuse Uh, Some things we know about, and maybe we're using them right now at this time, not for God's glory, but for our own glory or the glory of the world. But anything that God places in your life, ultimately, it should give glory to him. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? It should give glory to him. He wants it for his glory. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes along, he helps us to understand our natural and spiritual gifts that come from God, that come from God. And, uh, and this is important for us. And, and, it's, and I want to say this, it's serious. Oftentimes we don't think, how, think that it's very serious, but it's serious. When God makes an investment in your life, he's looking for a return on his investment. And so what's important, Jesus is here in the book of Matthew. And uh, chapter 24 we see him talking about the end of this age. In chapter 25, he begins to get, get you know, further into some of the things that are going to be approaching us as we approach the end of the age. And he, in the midst of all this, he starts to give this parable of the talents. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 24, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Somebody say his goods. His goods. And to one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went 
on a journey. So this is very important. He's saying that this this individual gave talents. He's given this parable. He's trying to convey a spiritual truth by telling a natural story. And he's saying this this person gave what was his to these individuals according to their ability. So God knows every single one of us, and he knows the ability that we have. He knows when we're trying to overextend ourselves. He knows when we're not giving our best effort or utilizing what we should be utilizing. He knows just what we can take. And for us, we have to see God as a God who is faithful to cause us to to operate and to function within the confines of our ability, that which he's established for our, what are our limitations? What are our, li- what, what are our uh, limitations? What are they? What are our limitations? We have to stop and ask ourselves, what are my, my limitations? He gives accordingly. He says in verse 16, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, And made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And so I love this because what this person who had five did was he basically multiplied that which he had. And I don't think that any of us now. Now, listen to me. You and I are not successful. Until we have clearly established a successor. What you have should never die after you leave. Sometimes your greatness is not going to be seen clearly through just your life. But that which you have established will become great after you've multiplied it in other people's lives. And so a lot of times we, we look at what's going on in and just now, but we have to start thinking generationally. We have to start thinking that I've done my part, but I multiplied what I've done in my part, and now it's going to the next generation. And that's what makes, makes you great. It's not just that you lived and died and experienced great things, but what you've established continues on far after you have gone. That's greatness, and that's what we want to see. So the person who had five talents took and he multiplied. He traded and multiplied. He, he caused more to abound. And, the, and, the, and we see here, the master here says that this is what I'm looking for. He says, he said he was faithful over a few things. And now he would make him ruler over many, many things. He says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Look at verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he, had re- who, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and 
gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was what? I was afraid. And I think this is one of the things that happens. When it comes to God, fear is never an excuse. God has not given you and I a spirit of what? Fear. But of power and of love and a sound mind. We have to keep in mind that our fears do not give us an out. We're still accountable for that which God has placed in our lives. Now, we always want to operate within the confines of of God's divine order and his authority and his purpose and the way in which he's established things from a church standpoint and from a home standpoint. And we want to make sure that we're playing by God's rules. But at the same time, we cannot allow we cannot allow the enemy to make us fearful in using that which God has placed in our lives. Now, within the confines of. Of God's divine order. He says do all things decently and in order. So we want to stay within God's system. But at the same time. We don't want to allow our own personal fears. And insecurities to hinder us. From allowing God. To do what he's trying to do in our lives. Amen. And so it's very important. He says. He said uh, this person says I was afraid. And I hid your talent in the ground. He says look. There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with what? Interest. I'm looking on. I'm looking for a return on my investment. I'm looking for more than what I placed in your life. And every single one of us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he helps us. To go forth and to multiply ourselves within the structure that he's ordained for us. He says in verse 28, therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And this is what he's saying. In essence, what he is saying, if you don't use it, you're going to what? Lose it. From a natural standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. We have to make sure that we get the same level of seriousness that Jesus is trying to convey to these individuals, that we get this seriousness within our spirit. God wants to use me and the Holy Spirit is going to help me to cultivate my gifts, to find my gifts, to impart to me gifts and to and to use me the way he wants to use me. He says here, he says in verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says it unprofitable. And I think this is important. What God has done for us is great. But what are we doing for him? With what he's placed in our lives, what are we doing for him? We have to stop on that. Now, there's, there's, hey, we need to, you know, allow God to, and I think this is important that I say this, we have to allow God to sanctify our gifts. We have to allow God to teach us how to use them the right way. We have to allow God to uh, purify our motives. We have to allow God to purify our, uh, our perspectives. All those things. So there's a period of time when we need to go through this process to, with, with God 
before we're ready for things, but we have to stop and also make sure that we're constantly asking ourselves, am I profitable? Is God getting a, a, a return on his investment in my life? Is the blood of Jesus Christ really, really having the effect? And, and can God use me as an instrument in his hand? I want to get myself prepared for that. I want to get myself prepared for that. Apostle Paul got himself prepared. Jesus prepared the twelve. You pick up this Bible over and over and over again. There's a difference between calling and commissioning. God calls you, then he prepares you, then he commissions you. He calls you, then he prepares you, then he commissions you. And you go through this process where God, he does this. And for us, we have to stop and say, God, that which you've placed in my life that is useful for the kingdom, I want to use it for your glory. I want you to look down from heaven and say, I'm getting a return on my investment in that young woman's life. I'm getting a return on my investment in that young man's life. I'm getting a return. Go to Romans chapter 12. Let's take a good look here because I think this also helps us to grow and mature. And I think this is where we really begin to make the shift. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 on down to 8. It says here in verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living what? Sacrifice. And this is where we begin to shift in our walk with Christ. Oftentimes, we're so used to receiving from God. But then God says, now it's time for me to get a return on my investment. I want to use you. And we start to get a hold of the revelation that God is looking for me to live sacrificially. That walking with God is not always going to be easy. That God is going to use you. And you're going to walk away from situations very, very tired as God uses you. And that's okay. It's good to be working for God. Amen? And that, and that doesn't just mean in the context of a local church. If God has placed you in any area or arena that God has placed you, you're there to ultimately work for him. You're there to do what you're doing for his glory, that your light would shine in the midst of darkness wherever you're at. And, but we have to embrace this fact that God is looking for me to live sacrificially. I'm to live as a living sacrifice, that my life is for God, that my, what I'm doing in every area and aspect of my life is for God. I'm, I'm here for God. How I feel doesn't matter. What I need to do for God, this is what, and God will empower me to do whatever I need to do when I learn to live sacrificially. I don't feel like getting up, but I'm going to get up because I know this is the will of God. I don't feel like going there, but I'm going to go there because this is the will of God. I don't like, I don't feel like working on this job. But I'm going to give up. i got to give God the glory, man. I'm going to go. God has been good. He's helping me to provide for my family and to do these things. Then there's moments when we get our eyes off of God and we start placing our eyes on ourselves. Or, or the people that we're working for. Not realizing that every area and aspect of your life is a mission. You're on mission. This is mission. Stop thinking, I'll serve God. I will serve the Lord when I'm in full-time ministry. It's not what, you're always in full-time. Can I have, this is a full-time deal, amen? 
You're always full time. You're always full time. It's full time. Whether, whether you're working, it doesn't matter where you're working. You're full time. I'm always on. If God wants to use me right now in a moment, bam, I'm on. God will use me through how I'm working on my job as an example. Why you work so hard, man? Why, why, are, you, why are you showing up early and leaving, leaving, leaving late? How come you, how, how are you doing this, man? Because I'm working. I'm not just working for them. I'm working for Jesus. Jesus opened the door. Jesus opened the door for me. And with the gifts that God is giving me, I want to maximize my potential. And I want God to be, can I preach on this today? We got we to gotta get this in our minds that it's all for God. It's all for God. He says that we present our bodies as living sacrifices. And then he says, holy, acceptable to who? To God. And so there's a holiness aspect. And this is why I use the word sanctification, holiness. They're very similar. Because even with the gifts that I have, I want to be a living sacrifice. But that which God has given me in terms of who I am and all that entails me, I want it to be holy as unto God. I want to take that which is me and present it on the altar of God as holy and acceptable to God. Amen. And he says, which is your reasonable service? Which is this the logical thing to do? He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So even in the midst of our serving, there's a there's a position that we have to have as far as sanctification, holiness and things that God is looking for in our lives so that we don't contradict our message with our lifestyle. God wants us to live. He wants us to be examples But then he doesn't stop there. Go down to verse 3 because this goes right into it. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think what? Soberly. As God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. And so there's a level of humility that all of us have to embrace as we're, as God is using us and how this, and as the Holy Spirit is, is using our abilities. There's a humility that we need, that God wants to use us in a certain way. But there's a humility that we need. And it has to be, I like this, he says, to think soberly. So the way in which we think about ourselves and the way we think about life in general, we should think. In general, we should think soberly. We shouldn't be. And and I, I love this. Let me read this again. For I say through the grace of God given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't take yourself too serious. And generally, the people who really know that they're gifted, that know that God has placed something in their life and that in any way are close to God. There's not a lot of hype going on. They don't need to. Because what God is doing through them and what God has placed in them speaks louder than their words. When, when, when God has made you something, you don't need to tell people that God has made you something. You just are. Then I think it's important that we all, we all love this about God. He says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And I think this is, this is also important. You know where you're at. Just don't think more highly than you ought to think. 
I respect who I am. I know who I am. I appreciate who God has made me. But I want to stop at that limit. I don't want to think more highly than I ought to think. You respect yourself and you, you're, you're thankful for what God has done. And then he goes down and he says this. And this is what I really wanted to get here to today. He says here. He says, for as for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I love this. So he tells us all that we're individual that we're we're individual. We're, that we are individuals, but yet we are connected to each other as we are united together with Christ and a part of his body. So no person in this room is an island to themselves. And, every, and, and somebody that is sitting next to you has something that you need. I need you, you need me. No one has it all. I'm the prophet, I'm the priest, I'm the king, I'm the apostle, I'm everybody. No, you're not. Amen? And so we have to make sure that we're sensitive about this. He says here, he says in verse 5, So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now here it is. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, he says let us use them. So individuals have gifts in their lives, but it's according to the grace that God has given to every single individual. He says, let us use them. He says, not, he's not, and I like what Jesus says, we don't go and bury them. He says, let us use them. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our what? Faith. If we have a prophetic gift in our lives, stay within the confines of the faith that God has given you to operate and function. Stop trying to copy what other people are doing. Stay within your limitations and function according to your level of faith. He says, or ministry. He says, let us let us use it. He says, in our ministry. He says, if we're serving, he's basically saying if we're serving, serve with a serving heart. And when this is something that we want to do, we don't want to just serve just because it's the right thing to do. We want to serve because this is a part of who we become. And out of your giftedness in serving, this is just what you do. And I think it's important that we embrace this also. He says, he who teaches, he says, in teaching. Some individuals have great teaching gifts. You may have been a teacher before you even met God. And God may have placed this area of teaching in your life as a natural gift a natural talent a natural ability to communicate and to help people to understand but that still needs to be sanctified brought before the cross so that we develop a level of humility and the anointing of God comes upon what we're doing we have to learn to embrace this also he says he who exhorts in exhortation, some people are just exhorters. They love to exhort people and build people up. But even your exhortation needs to be sanctified by God. Some people have a natural ability from God that they're just always love to just encourage people and exhort them. But if you're encouraging people and exhorting them in the wrong thing, you could be hurting them instead of helping them. 
So even our exhortation needs to be sanctified. It needs to be cleansed. We have to bring that before God and say, God, take my gifts and use it for your glory. And the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to discern these things in our lives, to discern the gifts that we have, natural and spiritual. He says, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, he says liberally, even in our giving. Some people just just out of their, they're just givers. Naturally, just give her. God just it's it's in them just to give. They don't do a lot of stuff for themselves or give. But even in your giving, that needs to be sanctified. It needs to be directed. We need to ask God to partner with us in what we're doing. We need to pray, amen, about what we're doing. And you're listening to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. As we close out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know that you're listening and this program is encouraging you on a daily basis. We'd love to hear from you. Now, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to us. By phone, of course, and that number is 925-292-7800. Again, 925 925- 292-7800. Or write to us, Times of Refreshing, 2333 Neeson Drive, Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. While we would normally invite you to join us here on campus for worship services, we're not able to do that. So what we would invite you to do is join us online. Now, there are three ways you can do that. You can either visit our church app, and if you don't have that on your smartphone or your tablet, you're more than welcome to visit your favorite store and download it for free. Or go to our website, thewellchurch.net. Or visit our YouTube channel for our weekly message at 1030 in the morning. Pastor Napoleon will share a message from the Lord just like he used to with his program, Hope of Glory. And we're praying and standing on his truth during this time and remembering God is in control. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you again for spending time with us here today on Times of Refreshing. Until next time, God bless.